Hello there, friend. This is Jerry Tyson in The Beacon's Light. The latest issue of the Prophetic Observer is available right now. Articles that look at current events in the light of Scripture. With a subscription to the Prophetic Observer, you'll be able to keep time on God's prophetic clock. Get your copy of the Prophetic Observer today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also subscribe online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Surely we are living in an historic time that points to the return of the Savior. We believe we are living in the end time. Reference is made by Christ in the Olivet Discourse to the increase of earthquakes and other major disturbances that will affect large portions of the globe. Today, we are seeing a dramatic increase in the frequency of severity of weather events, a fact easily confirmed in an up-to-date world almanac. Hardly a day goes by that the United States does not experience a major event with far-reaching consequences on the economy and people's lives. Just from the standpoint of earthquakes, the last year or more has seen a dramatic increase in their frequency and severity. Matthew 24, 7 and 8 has Jesus' warning of the end-time events. He said, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. It doesn't take someone with an advanced college degree to see that something is going on here on planet Earth that does not speak well for our long-term future. Fear and the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitant of Earth, and it shall come to pass that who fleeth from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit, and he that cometh up out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare. For the windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth do shake. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, and shall be removed like a cottage, and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it, and it shall fall and not rise again. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high, and the kings of the earth upon the earth. That's Isaiah 24:17 through 21. Additional verses in this passage could be cited as well. It's interesting to notice that the kings who have ruled the earth are slated for judgment. Presidents, kings, dictators, and other rulers are going to be brought to account for their personal and national wickedness. They had the power to issue decrees, and many people rose or fell, 
as the result of their decisions. Most of the dictators of the world in just the last hundred years are well known for their crimes against God and men. Their punishment will be certain at the hands of God. For that matter, this is true of all who have ever lived on earth. Punishment awaits. Sinless perfection is not attainable in this temporal life. So each of us will need to stand before God's judgment bar for sentencing because we have broken God's law. Our appearance will either be at the great white throne judgment where all who have rejected God's offer of mercy and salvation will be judged, or we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ with our sins forgiven and clothed in Christ's righteousness because he took our place and punishment when he was our sacrifice for sin on Calvary. In 1 John 1, 5 through 10, we read encouraging words. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Jesus took our punishment when he hung on the cross. He will forgive us our sins if we just ask him to do so. If pride gets in the way, if we try to blow off our sin as though it's not a big thing, saying a loving God would never send someone to hell, we make him a liar. Now, before you turn away, please be sure you are sure. Be sure you are not depending on a baptismal certificate or church membership or something your parents said you did years back, but for which you have no recollection. Do not even rely on a prayer you may have made at an altar during a revival meeting. Many people will walk an aisle at a moment of conviction or parrot back a prayer someone gives them. But a few moments later, when they get up and go about their business, there is no change in their life. One key to knowing you are saved is how you have lived your life after you make a profession of faith. There should be a difference you can see and that your family and friends can see too. If there's not a change, if you have no desire for reading your Bible, prayer, and fellowship with other believers, you would do well to take inventory. In John 10, 10 through 11, Jesus referred to Satan as a thief when he said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. 
how Satan would love to make people secure in their false belief that because they joined a church, got baptized, gave money, prayed a prayer, or did some act of penance, they're saved. Titus 3, 7 clearly teaches that we can't earn or buy salvation. It says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should also be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. If you are not sure you have ever asked Jesus to be your Savior, if you have doubts about your salvation, or know you have never trusted in what Jesus did on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, in the quietness of your heart, now ask him to forgive you, and he will. Luke 19.10 promises, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And in John 6:37, Jesus adds, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. When he died, he was buried. But three days later, he did what was humanly impossible. He rose from the dead to prove he had paid the debt for our sins. All of the other great religious leaders of the world have a tomb, a grave, or other location pointed to as their final resting place. They're as dead as a doornail. Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. Hebrews 7.25 is the promise you can grasp securely. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. It doesn't matter what you have done. God will forgive. His son Jesus is the defense attorney for you before the high court of heaven. The guilty verdict that by rights you must plead has been vacated by the one who paid your penalty with his own precious blood. This same Jesus who walked on earth 2,000 years ago is coming back again. We believe it will be soon. Everything points to sooner rather than later. If you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, you will spend eternity with him, and you can anxiously pray the last prayer in the Bible in Revelation 22:20, which we quote now. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. In the Beacon's Light is a production of Beacon Street Media. Feel free to contact us at www.swrc.com. This is Jerry Tyson reminding you that when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sins.